Today's episode is sponsored by our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. The reason I love Tortuga Backpacks is because they take the guesswork out of getting a high-quality travel backpack. It's large enough to fit everything you'll need, but it's still carry-on size, so you don't have to pay those checked bag fees. If you want to check out Tortuga and their whole line of products, make sure to go over to tortugabackpacks.com. And if you do purchase something, use that promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, you will get 10% off your purchase. And I can guarantee that you will be happy with your Tortuga backpack no matter where it is that you're traveling in the world. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 159. France uses 12 different time zones, the most of any country in the world. Talk about a great excuse for being late. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who, from the moment I checked out his website, felt like a kindred spirit, a fellow podcaster, house sitter, world traveler, and someone who also believes in traveling light, Evo Terra of TheOpportunisticTravelers.com. Evo, thanks for, so much for joining me today, and welcome Thanks very much, Travis. Pleasure to be here coming live from Brion, Spain, a place that no one ever travels to, but that's where I am. Before this, you told me it was your first, it's your first full day there, right? Yeah. Yeah. We got into town last night um, and we have, this has been their first like, we've been in town now for 24 hours, like right now, 24 hours in Spain. Yeah. (laughs) And you had a, you had a bit of a fun night then last night. We did. So we're staying actually in uh, a friend of mine uh, who's an author. I've done some work with in the past. She keeps a flat in this little town of Brion, Spain, and she only uses it a few times a year. So she said, you want to use it for as long as you want? It's yours. Sweet. That's nice. So she posted us, mailed for the American audience here, sent by mail to where we were in England, these keys, and, and an address. And that's all we had. Gave that to the cabbie, dropped us off, and like, well, now what? Because this key doesn't fit in this door. I have no idea. Uh, this nice lady came out of her apartment right across from there, and she said, you're clearly in the wrong place. Luckily, she spoke English because mi español es muy mal. And long story short, she said, you look like cool people. You want to come to a birthday party for my husband? Uh, and they just plied us with drinks until 1 o'clock in the morning. So here we go again, finding great local people Um less than an hour in country. An absolutely phenomenal story. And what's amazing about that is, so you're sitting in Brion, Spain, and you're staying there for free because it's a friend that you know, and you're staying at their flat. I'm here in Breckenridge, Colorado, in this like four-bedroom mansion, looking out at the ski resort, totally for nice. free because I'm house-sitting. And we also had a birthday party of people we just met last night as well, fellow travelers and house-sitters who I connected with on the internet, they were house-sitting in Breckenridge as well. It, it's just pretty cool. I mean, travel 
we're showing it doesn't have to be super expensive and you always find interesting people and you do these experiences that you're never going to have if you're sitting at home. You certainly won't. And, and that's why we adopted the moniker, the opportunistic travelers. Um, it's, it's all been about opportunity from us for us from day one. And yeah, the opportunity to meet people and hang out and get to know the locals as opposed to getting your key, going to your hotel room and going to sitting by the pool, going out to that restaurant. Yeah, you can do all that. I've done all that. Uh, I like this way better. Yeah. And everyone who listens to this podcast knows, you know, I always say there's no wrong way to travel. You know, if you want to go on a cruise, you want to go on all inclusive, that's fine. Do it. No one's going to tell you not to do it. But as you kind of go further and further down the path of maybe more independence, maybe more authentic travel, staying in people's homes, whether that's with them or, you know, house sitting or, or apartment rentals or anything. As you go further down that path, you just find that your experiences tend to be a little more richer. Completely. I think it's that way because you put yourself deeper into the moment. You are not leaving everything up to the person you booked the tour from or the guy who's making sure the ship doesn't you know, run aground. I mean, those are, you want that guy to be in charge. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting you go take over uh, if you happen to be on a cruise. Don't, do not. Do not do that. However, if you take this more of a, well, let's just see what happens. And let's spend three weeks in a little tiny country's uh, home uh, in the middle of nowhere, France, and see if that's actually a good time. Um, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Is you, you're, you're bored for a few days? Read a book. You know, there's, that's the way life should work out. Yeah. And I always tell people to dip their toe in a little deeper. You know, take that, maybe there's that little inkling of, I don't want to do this because it's, I don't want to say scary, but that's kind of the word, or you're nervous about doing it. Maybe you're nervous about showing up in a tiny town in Brion, Spain, because you don't know where the apartment's going to be, because and you're not going to be going into a hotel, and there's going to be someone waiting on you and taking your bags and things. So maybe you're a little bit nervous about it, but you do it, and then you met this lady, and then you went to a birthday party. Maybe you're nervous about house-sitting, because, oh, that's a little weird. I'm in someone's house, and I have to take care of their dog. What if something happens? But then you you realize, like, when you do it, no, 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 this is actually really cool. So you dip your toe in a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. And all of a sudden, you're now doing these really crazy, awesome, authentic things. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. I guess what's next up is I'm just going to grab a backpack and just start walking down the road and see where that takes me. No, I'm probably not going to do that. I like a little bit more control of my travel than that. And and I absolutely love the opening line on your about page. I love reading people's about pages. It's usually the first place I go when I go to a website, which means I should probably redo mine because it's like from three years ago. But it reads, in January 2015, Evo Tarot and Sheila D left the default lifestyle behind. And that's such an interesting choice of words and obviously one that you didn't come up with just on a whim, like it was thought about, default lifestyle. Explain that a little bit because I think that's what you can really give to people listening to this. Like your story is powerful because you already were living a certain lifestyle. You didn't come out of college and say, I'm just going to travel the world and things like that. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that for for me and for and for my wife Sheila as well, you know, we've been really good about increasing our luck surface area. Uh, that, that, that's got me through in life is just you know trying. I'm not a lucky person. I don't play the lottery, but I do enough things that are interesting uh, that I, I have fun experiences. But even then, even somebody like me who can have these great experiences can sometimes get trapped in doing what you're supposed to do. 
Now, that's not a bad thing, but, you know, there is a default lifestyle for most Americans, and that is get a job, buy a house, have a family, have 2.3, whatever the number happens to be, kids these days, buy, buy two cars, uh, fill your house full of all the stuff. And I did all of that. I did all of that. And I made, and I made a lot of money at doing this stuff. You know, I was, I was very successful in all the things that, that I did in life. And I'm, I was also very happy. It's not like I was depressed and that I didn't feel trapped by any of these sorts of things. But we decided over the last year or so that there's got to be another option. This is not the only way to live, this, this default lifestyle of you know, figuring out how to get six, figure, six figures and then trying to figure out how to not spend six figures every year, which is really hard to do. Um, it's easy to spend it. It's not, it's not to do it that way. And so we decided let's try something different. And as you said, we cashed everything in and left it all behind and said, let's see what this traveling the world stuff um, is like. And let's not do it. As your audience knows, we're not talking about the resorts and the, about kind of crazy stuff. We're doing it with house sitting. We're doing it by finding friends and uh, around the world who say, "Sure, you can crash at my place for a night or a month, whatever it happens to be." As you know, Travis, you need a lot less money when you live that way, so you can you can now afford to do something other than that default lifestyle. It's a super important point that you made was that you said you were happy, and I think that. You know, you get people on and they say, well, of course I left my job because I thought like I was going to drive an ice pick through my eye every time I had to go into work, right? And and that's fine too. If you feel that way, it makes sense. Like then it's like, then it just becomes, all right, man, we'll, we'll take the step and do it. But like you, I was the same way. I mean, I was teaching high school. I enjoyed it. I liked being around high school students. I liked teaching, but I just knew that I didn't want to do it forever and that I had the opportunities to jump and kind of and move on and and take these risks because I had a nice family to support me and my wife supported me so if I took these risks and it didn't work out like all was not lost so I do understand that but I think a lot of people are in this content zone and so they hear people saying well they hated their job and they left it so like that's not me so I'm probably going to stick here but I did the same thing. I, I was like, all right, this is okay, but let me let me step out. Let me go to grad school for a year and see if that works. All right, let me move to Switzerland for four months. Let me see if that works. That was cool. Why don't I move to Japan for two years? Like I didn't jump off and say, I'm just going to travel the world willy-nilly and hope my money doesn't run out. But you take these steps and then you say, all right, I'm in Japan. This is cool, but I don't want to have to work for someone else. Why don't I start my own website? So a lot of times for people, it's a process. It's not necessarily jumping over the edge right away. You're, you're exactly right. For for me, the process was an understanding I had from from the from business you know, for the, for the longest time, for the, at least for the last two years. I've worked real closely with a lot of startups, and so that means a lot of really successful people who've got a lot of money and have a new great idea. But I've also worked with lots of people who have. Um, no money that also have a really great idea and they want to try it. I mean, we, we live in the world of startups today. There's no better time than now to start a business. And, and all of those people, part of the counseling I give to them as, as, as a mentor is convincing the people who don't have a lot of money with a great idea that the worst thing that can happen if they quit their job and they put everything they have and they rack up credit card debt and they bootstrap the hell out of their project or idea to get it going and it fails – the worst thing that happens is they have to get a job. That the worst thing that happens is not they wind up living in a van down by the river. Right, That's they, not going to happen. <laughs> right. They obviously have skills because they've gotten this far. Exactly. And so I looked at myself after telling people this for two years and went, hey, 
Me too. <laughs> right. I, Wait a second. You know, I, I, I think I, you know, it's the whole physician heal thyself thing, right? So what if I were to do that? What if I were to approach this lifestyle of travel completely as a startup and pivot all the way through things that don't work, figure out how to build momentum first, figure out the money on the other side of it? Can, can it work? Maybe. And if it doesn't, then I'll get a job and get, and get, get back on track. It's not like back on my feet or, you know, dig myself out. No, none of that stuff. I'll just, I'll just get a job and I'll go find an apartment and we'll rent a car for, we'll, we'll do the things you need to do. The default lifestyle is there. It's not like I closed the door, burned down the bridge and nuked the whole thing from orbit. It's still there. That's why it's called the default lifestyle. I'm just choosing not to do it for a while, hopefully ever, but at least for a while. That is it's something I have to remind myself of over and over again because I get in those modes too of, well, what if this month this doesn't work out and blah, blah, blah. And, and this lifestyle that I've built of being location independent, I'm teaching other people and this, that. what if I don't make it work? What if something happens and everything goes down the tubes? And I think, all right, the worst thing that happens is if I want to, I go back to being a teacher. Imagine that in a job interview. And that's what I always tell myself to call myself. Imagine you go in to get a teaching job and someone's like, all right, here's your resume. What have you done for the last four years? Oh yeah, you built a website. You built your own business. You traveled to 30 countries. You've lived all over the place. You learned some languages here and there a little bit. How is that not going to knock them out of the park compared to other people? So I think everyone gets stuck on, if I make this leap, it's this or bust. And it's and I do too. So I'm not. I'm not saying... Hey, if you feel that way, you're crazy. Maybe you are. Maybe we're both crazy. We're all crazy. But it's not the end of the world. You just come back and do what you're doing. As long as you don't burn down every bridge and say, I'm out of here, you know, you're going to come back to, you can come back to that default lifestyle. And I love that term. I've never thought of it in those words, but I think that's perfect for exactly what we're talking about here. Now I got to register a new domain name, defaultlifestylebreaking.com. <laughs> Great. And, you talked about your trip and you said, you know, all right, I'm going to pivot. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I can do all my work online and I've, I've done all this other stuff, but we're going to sell everything and we're going to go off and we're going to live this nomadic digital nomad lifestyle. Talk a little bit to how much planning went into that and also kind of the process you went through to actually get to that point. Well, it was a fair amount of planning, but done over an extremely short period of time, you know, from the, from the concept, it's been percolating in the back of our brains for the last year or so, as I mentioned, but the, the kind of decision to, okay, I think we can do it was when we discovered house sitting. We hadn't even heard of house sitting, uh, around, around early November. Uh, and by November the 15th, we said, Hey, we had a video up, we had a site, we had a profile, everything was done, right? So a 15 day period, we knew that was going to be it, but we didn't know anything other than that. We knew that we were going to do house sitting uh, but we didn't have the rest of it figured out. So through the next set of process, it was like, well, first step one is getting rid of stuff because I don't want to keep stuff. Luckily, we divested ourselves of any real property years before. So we were renters. So it was like, okay, no big deal there. But getting rid of the furniture and the TVs and all that and going through the process and understanding slowly of all this stuff is just stuff. And yeah, it, it's a real nice TV, but if I put it in storage for a year, I, I could do that and use it again next year. But why? Right. I mean, can you I just could buy a buy new a one new at, TV? for 300 bucks now, right? <laughs> exactly. Moore's Law is still in effect. So every single thing that I own will be cheaper that I want to replace and buy. And do I really need 
three televisions because that's how many I had for the two-bedroom apartment that we were living in, three televisions. What is the point of that, right? So it was this kind of this unburdening, almost like a snake shedding his skin, you know, just getting of extra things that started out really, really hard. But over the next weeks, because we were leaving, we knew we were leaving in early January and we, we got our first um, assignment um, in in mid or I'm sorry, late January 2015 to go to France. And so we suddenly we had a, a, a deadline we were up against. We have to get everything out of here by this particular time and be ready to go. And that was hard to start with, but it, it got progressively easier seeing all the stuff in our house dwindle down. The first day, the first sale we had in our house, we sold our table, our, our dining room table and chairs, our couch, um, and our beds the first day. Every, we had nothing to sit on. I mean, literally, there, was, there were no chairs or beds or flat surfaces that could work for us. So we sat, you know, crisscross applesauce on the floor like a bunch of grade school kids for the next two months. It was, it was the craziest thing. And then watching your stuff slowly go away was hard at first. And I don't want to get the part of that. And then the rest was like, um, I'm leaving tomorrow. Who, would you just yeah. like to take this? Put it on Seriously. Craigslist or something like, please, come take it. Yeah. I'll, I'll push you out the door, right? Just get rid of it. Yeah, but so when we left, we, we, re- we only had France. That was it. And we had a long discussion of ourselves as well. What if we get to France um, and there's no- nothing happens afterwards? Like nobody else bites on our house sitting. And then we realized, well, this, okay, then we'll just go get a long-term apartment. Those things are pretty cheap, right? I mean, we, it's not any more than we'd be paying in rent for, for a month. Let's just go do something along those lines. But the good news is that didn't happen. I think like as we were leaving town, we got our next assignment picked up. And then a month later into it, we got our next assignment and next. And you know, now we're good all the way through um, end of September. Uh, so it, it, once it happens, it just starts happening. You got to keep making it happen. I'm not just saying sit back and let, you know, whatever the travel gods figured out for you. No, it takes work, it takes research, and it takes understanding what your process actually is. But once you do it and you build up a head of steam, it'll keep going for probably for as long as you want to go, as long as you don't do anything silly like I only want to stay in St. Kitts. Um, right, good right. luck. You, know, you I, might want to be a little more open. I am a huge, as everyone knows, a huge proponent of house sitting. I just think, especially with how how much it's growing on the homeowner side. There's so many more out there. There's more websites popping up. You know, we've had a bunch of people on who who do house sitting all the time. It's in, it's an incredible way to do it. And speaking to what you said about just, you know, we put in a little time, but it, it kind of just snowballs. You know, you said, all right, I'm going to France. We have a couple weeks here, a month here, you know, but we're going to see what happens. Same type of situation here. We come to Breckenridge. We have this house sit. It's 10 days or 16 days. Maybe we're going to go down to Austin. We meet these other people like, why don't you stay with us in Breckenridge? This house sit that we're in is coming back up next month. So I don't know. You put yourself out there. And obviously with the house sitting sites, I always tell people, make sure you make videos, make good profiles. Mm-hmm. That's going to get mm-hmm. you house sits. But it, it just, it does. It snowballs because you start meeting people. Oh, I need someone to do this. I need someone to do that. And it, I won't say that it's luck because everyone always says, how can you do this? You must get lucky. But it's just saying like, what's the worst that's going to happen? I go and rent an apartment, like you said, big deal. You're probably renting an apartment or a house wherever you are right now, not traveling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'd much rather do it you know, uh, in a foreign country. It's just more fun that way. So for you then, you talked about getting rid of all your stuff and, and selling it all. What about the jobs? Were you already working remotely or was that a transition you had to make as well? 
That was a definite transition we had to make, but also part of the reason why we needed to move forward. Um, I, the, the, the company that I was with actually founded, uh, still working with them today, but we were changing because we were a startup as well, we were changing the scope and, and actually how we were going to look. So 2015 was going to be very different um, for us as a company, and everything was on the table. And so I said, well, I have one more thing to put on the table, fellow co-founders. And they said, what a great idea. Have a good time. Here's how we're going to keep you involved uh, in, in the project, which I was, I was involved about 99% of the company was me previously in 2014. But in 2015, now I'm more like 5 or 10%, and the others have stepped up to, to do more stuff as, as, it's, as it's changed course now. So that worked out, that worked out really, really well for us. Um, my wife, Sheila, she's an instructional designer. So she had been doing long-term temp positions uh, for companies, helping build their training materials uh, and the curriculum that they they need to, to, to teach good things to, to their employees. She came out of, the, out of the education system like you. She taught middle school and taught at the university for a long time. But as an instructional designer, she can do it from wherever. And a lot of that stuff is, is writing materials. There are some jobs you have to be there on site for, but for some others that were this way. So she still um, has agencies reaching out to her today. We were fortunate, if anything, that we, we have the kinds of jobs that do not require us to be stationary. I'm, I'm a digital strategist, which means I just get paid to say, don't do stupid things. And I can do that from, from any phone or email connection. I can get that kind of stuff done. It'd be different if we were carpenters. You know, that's much more hard to apply your trade that way. But, you know, it's, it is 2015 and there are a lot of knowledge workers out there. And chances are, even if you're a DBA or something else in a company where you have to go into your job every single day, there are probably things you can do through the magic of the internets that would allow you to keep some of your income. There, there's the big, the, the epiphany people is you don't have to keep it all. I mean, my expenses, your expenses when you do this will slash by orders of magnitude. So you just need a few things here and there to keep you going. You know, mechanical Turk it for a while. I don't care. It just it, it, a couple hundred bucks a month will take you really far when you're traveling this way. I think so many people say, I can't do it. I'm listening to Evo and he could do it because of this. Travis could do it because of this. And that's what I think with other people starting businesses or podcasts, whatever it is, you're comparing yourself and you're saying, I can't do it because they're doing this. But you made a good point with the fact that you said you were doing 99% of the work. So yes, your job lent itself to being online, but because the company was so much you, it's way harder to say, I'm going to remove myself and actually move away. You know, yes, you could do it online, but, but you probably were scared like, all right, well, if I'm doing 99% and I move away and things don't work out, this company fails. But you found a way to say, you know what? I'm going to remove myself from it. You guys are going to do more. So you know, if you are thinking, well, they're doing it because they do this, and you're thinking of reasons why you can't, flip it on its head and think of reasons why it might be hard for us to do it that you might have an advantage in. Because a lot of times, then you'll start to say, oh man, like Evo had his own company and he was doing all the work. Well, that's even a bigger risk than me who you know, isn't the founder of the company but is simply a worker here. I don't have as much skin in the game. If it fails, it's not as big a deal. It's just my job, et cetera, et cetera. Right, yeah. And I think a lot of people also have the misconception that you know, I'm sitting – or people like me and people like you perhaps too, Travis, are sitting on this huge pile of cash reserves <laughs> so that if it goes bad – listen, people. Let me, I will give you the skinny. What, the amount of money that we had in the bank at the beginning of January was twenty thousand dollars 20 grand 
that was it. Now, yeah, I've got a 401k account, so with that, that, and I'm not touching, I'm not dipping into that kind of stuff, right? But that's it. It's not like I've got a million dollar trust fund sitting back there waiting for me that I can enact if things go things go poorly, right? I, I literally would start from zero, you know, and when that 20k runs out, if I can't find a way to fill it, and I'm finding ways to fill it along the way, then I'm over. So it, you don't have to have a lot, you know. We, we really we, it, we afforded this by selling a car. We had a car yeah. we had fully paid for, and that was the biggest piece of change we had was when we sold Sheila's car. It was, it was awesome. So yeah, really, really you can. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. You can do it. And I really appreciate the transparency because a lot of people come on and, and won't exactly talk about it. And people know that I'm very open with it. You know, Two years ago when we started doing it full time, we're sitting there making two grand a month for who knows how many hours. I mean, ungodly amount of hours. Is it fun? Sure. Is it super stressful? Yeah, way more than when I was teaching or anything else because <laughs> now all of a sudden you're, de- you're depending on yourself and you're sitting there thinking, wait, I'm making 1500 a month or two grand a month. I'm working really hard. I know what I'm doing is quality, but you're not seeing those gains. And even to this day, there's months where I sit there and I make more money than I would if I was teaching. I'm like, well, that was cool. And there's months where I make less and I think... Oh man, like this is harder <laughs> than what I was doing, yeah. and the monetary rewards aren't there. So, if anyone's sitting there thinking, I mean, I st- like you said, you had 20 grand, not a huge amount, not a nest egg that you can s- just sit back on and say, oh, well, let's just travel the world forever. And same with me, you know, building a business is hard, traveling and working is hard, but if you want to do it, the rewards, I mean, we have both found are infinitely more than the stress and all this bad stuff that comes with it. No, no doubt about it. I'm finding myself now working way harder than I have in years. And first off, I'm a, I'm a lazy person by nature. I do not like to work really hard at stuff. So, um, But now I'm, I'm working all hours of the day producing good quality content that it just required to keep this machine going or the things that I think are required to keep it going to make this startup journey of, of living a lifestyle of travel actually work and function. But the good news is, with very few exceptions, even the thing, every single moment of the day that I'm working really hard is something that I deeply want to do. So the four-hour work week is, is utter shite. It's a 40-hour work, you know, two days a lot of times. But it's work you want to do and you love to do. Even you know when I'm editing, which I will do, I'm finishing up today. I'm editing my podcast episode that'll go out later on tonight after this show. I will spend at least seven hours editing and producing this ten minute show, which is ridiculous. But I love it. It's because I know it's good. I know nobody else is doing it. And it's something that I just really, really enjoy getting back into the meat of things. And that's the way you feel about everything that we're doing. No, nothing has been, uh, crap. I have to go produce content again. Boo hoo. No, that's a job. This is not a job. This is a lifestyle. Yeah. I think that's really an important delineation there. And I, ne- and I did not imagine we would be sitting here talking about building businesses and that kind of stuff. But that is a lot of people who want to make the leap can't make the leap because they don't have enough money. And so they're not just going to go travel. Part of it is, and part of the reason we built our location indie community and all that stuff is hey, we're going to teach you not only how to travel. I know we do that a lot on the podcast, but we're also going to teach you 
how you can make it work, how you can get the money aspect in. So you save money by traveling, by house-sitting, and using frequent flyer miles, but you still need money to eat. No one's going to give you meals for free every day. So how can you make the money? And there's a lot of ways, and these are just a few of the ways, you know, the stuff that you're doing with your site, freelancing, all types of stuff. So if people are interested and they're worried about that, you know, dig into it a little bit. No one's saying you have to quit your job today and jump into it, as, as we've kind of already discussed. Start doing something on the side. Start building up your resume. Start doing freelance work. Even if you're doing some stuff for free to build up a portfolio, we have people in our community at Location Indie who are doing stuff for free for other people so that they can build up their portfolio and get references. There's always a place to start, and there's always time. If you think you don't have enough time, there is. Cut out something else. You'll be amazed at how much you can actually get done. Exactly right. Testify. Everything you said, spot on. And do not be afraid to do free stuff, people. There is a huge, huge power of free that will pay itself back to you. Do not think you have to get paid. Top dollar weights, that just drives me batty. I've seen it work way too many times. People have given of their own time freely. It will come back to you in spades. Yeah, watch out for the douchebags. Sure, obviously the people out there trying to take advantage of you. But no, really, do do it for free, not just to build up your own portfolio, but to build a network of people who you can turn to and say, okay, uh, time for the reciprocal back scratching. It begins now. And when I was starting my site and I knew that I was good at frequent fire miles, I reached out to people who had sites who are bigger than mine, who I really liked, I really enjoyed, I thought would be cool to get to know and work with. And I said, hey, I'm just going to offer this up to you. If you need help booking tickets, if you want me to help you get frequent fire miles, I I can do that. Let me know. And I've created some awesome relationships that are mutually beneficial now down the road you know, because I just said, I'm going to help you out. I want to help you out. I didn't expect it in return because if you go in with that mindset, that can dilute things a little bit, but go in with the mindset. I'm going to help these people. I like them. You know, they write a site that I've really enjoyed. Let me give a little bit of my time. I knew I had the skills. And now all of a sudden you have these, this network of people who, when I do something, they can really promote it and, and get it out much broader than, than just the extra pack of peanuts community. So I think that's a great point that networking, that's going to help you more than more than anything else. Going back to the actual doing it of leaving your job and I'm, you know, we're going to we're going to leave the job, we're going to leave the house, we're going to travel January 2015, we're going to France. We've got the assignment. What were the biggest obstacles to actually doing it? Because you said you did a lot of planning, but then it kind of happened pretty quick. Were there things that were more difficult that you could say, "All right, if I was to do it again, I might do it differently or I at least know that this is going to be harder than I thought." The one thing I can think of that we would have done differently um, is a better understanding of how complicated things would be without having an address, right? I mean, that's that's just that's oh, just I know hard. that so well. <laughs> it, it is so complicated. I mean, there are still things will still get mailed to your old address addresses, and how do you deal with that? Most of our mail goes to our son, who's 23 years old, he's independent, he's on his own. Um, it's going to him, and so we schedule these Skype calls every so often to go through the mail, and occasionally we need him to send us the documents. Well, he doesn't have a scanner. Who the hell doesn't have a scanner in 2015? Well, other than me, I don't have a scanner because I'm in location independent right now. The last thing I'm doing is carrying a scan snap with me around. Although, scan snap, if you do make a cool portable printer, let me know. No. Um, well, so, and you, know, you can do it on your phone now. There's apps that, that do a pretty good job on your smartphone, which I found and, to be useful. And that's what he's been doing recently. He's been taking pictures of things and doing it. Although, let me tell you, that was fun with tax documents. We had to pay taxes for last year, right? And that, oh, 
man, just those little things that you don't think about, those little physical things. Um, so, so I, and again, it's because we went so fast, we didn't really research out, you know, we didn't think about those little minutiae. Big things, easy. It's that little stuff. Where's mail going to go to? How do I deposit checks from people? How do I write checks to people? All of those sorts of things are, look, everybody's on PayPal, that'd be great, but that's not quite that way. Just the little things were the ones that tripped up. Everything else was pretty smooth. Two things with that that I think are important to note as well. One, you figured it out. There's times when I go on trips to this day, even though I've been doing this for years now, where I go on trips and I, Heather will tell you, I get crazy probably the first, like three days leading up to a trip, especially an international trip because, and I start worrying like, well, what about this? Shouldn't I send this mail out? Shouldn't I do this? It's all the little things. And I, I write a checklist. It's like 50 of these little things. And I get all worried about it. And then, you know, most of them don't get done inevitably. And then you go away and the things that don't need to get done still don't get done. And you realize they weren't important. And the things that do, do. Like you just figure it out. So even knowing that, I still stress myself out. So if you stress yourself out, don't worry too much. I think it's kind of just an innate thing with me that it, it, it's like, all right, I'm getting ready to go. I want to get everything, my ducks in a row. It doesn't happen. And the other important thing is... Like for us, we were in Thailand and it was beautiful and it was March and we thought, are we going to stay here in like through April or not? And the tax thing, again, this little, not little thing, but a, an, something that like a mind numbingly boring thing that had to get done. We had to pay taxes for last year. We had to figure it all out. You know, we flew home to America and that was not the only reason, but one of the big reasons was this is just easier to do at home. So there is that too. Like, if you think it's going to be easier, sometimes it makes sense to to do it, right? Like to just say, I'm going to fly home. I'm going to do it. Of course, you know, and then we, we left Philadelphia pretty quick and went to Breckenridge and what have you. We're still traveling. But it's something, sometimes it is easier to do stuff. And so don't be afraid to say, all right, I'm going to cut this vacation or travel shorter. I'm going to do this because it's easier. I think a lot of times as travelers, we say to ourselves, I have to do this because it's expected of me, right? And But it might be harder and it might not be as fun. So... Yeah, we flew home from Thailand to do taxes. So if you, if you ever feel that urge of like I just have to do this because of this, go for it. Yeah, I think so. You know, and you you brought up something interesting, Travis. You said you know sometimes they feel like you have to do something because it's expected. That sounds like falling back into that default trap again. There's there's default travel traps to fall into too. Um, man, take the easy way. It sounds like a terrible advice to give somebody, but if there are paths that are presenting themselves to you, and there's one that's really really simple, that's the easier way to do it. That's maybe a little weird. That's probably the right one. You know, the more convenient is almost always better. So if it's more convenient to get on an airplane and fly home and deal with it. Do that. That's perfectly fine. There, there, there is a convenient way out there. Some, not always, clearly, but you know, if there is one, I suggest taking it and saving up your angst for when something really out of your control happens. Exactly. And I understand to most people, getting on an airplane and flying home doesn't seem like the most convenient. You know, for us, it was. We had frequent fire miles. My parents were leaving Thailand. We could fly home with them. We knew we could travel around the U.S. We wanted to travel around the U.S. So, yeah, don't, I, I think. I pigeonhole myself, and a lot of people will, with saying with that default trap, even if they are traveling, it doesn't mean when you get on the road, you can't fall into these default lifestyle things. Like you mentioned, it's very easy to do. I think the default thing was like, yeah, of course we're going to stay in Thailand. Like, duh. And then I just <laughs> thought, you know what? It's not right now. That's not what I want. And and we came home. And um, I think you said yeah, the easy way or the thing that's kind of pulling you, that, that makes you feel the most comfortable usually that's going to be the best decision in the long run. Yeah, give it a shot. <laughs>
This concludes part one of my interview with Evo Terra. In case you couldn't pick up on it, both Evo and I really like to talk. So we decided to split up this interview into two parts. So if you love what Evo has been telling you, you're definitely going to want to check out part two. He reveals the hardest part of the nomadic traveling lifestyle. He also talks about the most eye-opening thing that he has learned since they embarked on this lifestyle four months ago. He reveals how they deal with naysayers who tell them that traveling the world or changing their lifestyle isn't possible, and also why down, you know, like duck feathers, has become his travel nemesis. You can get part two by going to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You can also listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, or however you're listening to this episode. If you are listening live on Tuesday, it will be coming out on Thursday. And if you're listening in the future, then you can roll right on into part two. I also want to thank our sponsor for today's show, Tortuga Backpacks. If you're looking for a high quality, awesome backpack for traveling, check out tortugabackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters. You will get 10% off your entire order. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Don't forget to check out part two of my interview with Evo. And until next time, happy free travels. Yeah.